Programming Notes episodes, the general concept is that you can get an extended summary of episodes if you decide that you'd rather have that than listen to the episodes themselves, as well as some notes about what's going on in the community or how you can be helpful and useful in the community. Programming notes for the week of January 29th, 2023. I'm starting to work on many more panels, but I'm trying to figure out topics people want. It seems like the MDM, Master Data Management, is kind of one of the big ones. I was working on a potential one for taxonomies and ontologies, working on one uh, for privacy in data, a lot of different kind of things that are out there. But I need to kind of know what do people want panels on, right? please do get in touch. Where are you still the most confused relative to data mesh? Where are you the most worried? Let's get some people exchanging information and that it's not all just me and that we kind of have more of a practitioner view. The second panel I put together will be on uh, the podcast next week around data user experience. It was a great one where I have 32 takeaways, right? (laughs) So I think we can get a lot of great information from these panels, but I need to know what people want. So in general, what's on tap for this week? On Monday, we're going to have episode 187, Maximizing the Value of Your Data Through Data Products, an interview with Bruno Aziza. I spoke with the energetic and enigmatic Frenchman that a lot of you uh, know of. He's now kind of head of data and analytics in the evangelist sense for Google Cloud, right, GCP. We talked about how do you actually create a good data product ecosystem, not just the data product itself, but like how do you start to focus on creating the capabilities to create really great data products and how we can exchange value through those data products. Lots of learnings that he was sharing from dealing with so many GCP customers at the very high level as to what are the big what are the big scale challenges instead of what are the kind of small scale. On Tuesday, we've got uh, episode 188, and this is one that is a controversial opinion, right? It's mine. You must register your use case with the data producer, Mesh Musings number 42. A bit self-describing of a title, but this is one where I am sharing my own views that, and this one seems to make people almost ill when I say it, but man, do we need some better communication around data sharing and contracts and all that, right? So I'm putting my foot down and saying this just has to be a mandate until it is second major. Expect me to start taking a few more stands with strong recommendations based on some feedback that I've received. So again, if there's another topic that you really want, let me know. Friday, we've got episode 189. Our data is in the cloud, dot, dot, dot. Now what? An interview with Vikas Kumar. So this was a fun and relaxed conversation. It was a wide ranging chat about what we've seen the last decade or so of moving data to the cloud. But now we have the capability to actually leverage and and get a lot more value from it because we're so much more flexible and capable both from a a tooling and just you know uh, ways of working and all that stuff with cloud but we need to figure out how do we actually leverage it and we're starting to see that but like what are the patterns that Vikas is seeing and and how do we get better how do we build to long-term sustainable value from our data work right how do we get to that holistic picture of of 
getting the most value from our data instead of really focusing again at that micro uh, level, which kind of was similar to what Bruno was talking about of stop focusing on the singular data product versus your, your overall set, like what capabilities do we need? So I think it'll be an interesting week for a lot. And again, give me some feedback. And with all that said, on to the extended summaries for this week's interviews. Extended summary for episode 187, Maximizing the Value of Your Data Through Data Products, an interview with Bruno Aziza. In this episode, I interviewed Bruno, who's the head of data and analytics at Google Cloud, and he's the author of the famous weekly car casts that he often posts on LinkedIn. Bruno started off with something you don't often hear a vendor say, quote unquote, the number one barrier to your ability to drive value from data is not your technology. It's your people and how you organize your team. So while you can't buy your way to a data mesh, you also can't just flip a switch and be doing data mesh. You need to build your organization's capabilities to a degree they can actually derive value from their data. It's also not easy for a data leader to necessarily create the necessary change per Bruno's conversations with a number of data leaders. Many don't get a true seat at the executive table. And even if they do, if there aren't enough people, quote unquote, devoted to the data opportunity, it will be a very hard road to drive the data function to where it can add significant value. You just don't have enough people that are (laughs) really working on that opportunity. It takes a lot of effort. Bruno also dove into what he's seeing that makes for a high data literacy rate at customers. It's about changing the day-to-day interaction, the habits of working with data, making data part of many more people's roles, and making it an intentional part of the company's practices and habits builds an incredibly deep bench of data talent across the organization. It's not just about having that in a data team. It's that you have more and more people that are getting deeper and deeper with data across the entire organization. So his three components to positive change in your uh, uh, data approaches as a company are one, a strong data leader, two, the proportion of people committed to data work, and number three, daily practices involving data. While we know being data-driven has an advantage, you know, we just kind of conceptually know this, Bruno came out with this interesting statistic. Data-driven companies are 162% more likely to surpass their revenue goals per study. He sees a few reasons, though, why only 27% of companies are actually data-driven right now. To be data-driven, you need to reliably produce data at scale, hence creating data products. You know, that reliability is that product aspect. And to do that, you need to build out the capabilities to handle data at scale and not skip the governance. That was one thing he specifically pointed to. But the end goal is to provide a reliable way to create value from data at scale. That's really it. His view is the best way to reliably do that is via data products. But the point isn't to create data products. It's to create value from data at scale in a reliable way. Bruno is seeing people go through three phases in getting to a a reliable, scalable way to turn data into value. Phase one is that kind of data lake, data ocean, you know, 
it might not even be that lake that's kind of landlocked. You know, this is this huge amount of data to get it into one place where you can get kind of your idea of how much data you've really got. The second stage is, in his mind, is data mesh, allowing people to autonomously innovate with data, but relying on central sources. And the third stage is a data factory. So a note in my mind, the factory analogy might be rough because feature factories are a bad software pattern and factories are notoriously about producing the same things at scale. And while we want scalable ways of creating data products, They should be more fit for purpose to use cases, but of course, reusable as well, in my view. So I'm not sure exactly where he was going with the data factory side, but like you need to be careful to not just churn out data products for the sake of churning out data products. Again, what is the point of what we're doing? The data product manager role is crucial to getting data products right, according to Bruno. You need someone to be the CEO for your data product. That it, that person is focused on the actual value the data product drives and how reliable is the data product creation and maintenance. What more should be added to the data product? How is it used? To drive that cultural shift, you need a strong leader of the data organization that is empowered to make the right changes so you can actually have those really good data product managers. For Bruno, there are two factors that significantly increase the chance of an organization successfully becoming data-driven. The first is an organization-wide mandate that data matters and that people must participate in the change and leverage data, especially if the CEO is bought in on the data opportunity and the need for more and better data for themselves doing their job, you know, especially, but also they have to be brought in about it for the broader organization. The other is the attitude and aptitude to actually go out and build a scalable capability to build data products. That's far easier said than done. That can be driven centrally or in a distributed way, but you need people to step up and own the, the data, right? The attitude is that we're going to do this, that this matters, and then the aptitude is having people that are actually capable. The centralized data team model is becoming harder and harder for companies to scale, according to Bruno. I think we all kind of know this, but, you know, the team needs to be constantly ahead of the curve and they don't have the ability to learn all the necessary context. So they quickly get overwhelmed by request. This was a key factor in Jamak creating data mesh as a concept in general. But the teams that are just fully decentralizing instead of moving from centralized to fully decentralized are creating data silos and making it increasingly hard to answer those cross-domain questions. And one thing that I say in a lot of episodes is execs rarely have questions that are to a specific domain versus these cross-domain questions. So the organizations that are doing a federated approach with a strong sense of overall collaboration around data are winning. There are things that are centralized and things that are decentralized, and each organization needs to figure out what works for them, but balance is crucial. Find the right approach for the job. Like, what are you trying to do? What capabilities? You know, you got to have that attitude, but you also have to figure out (laughs) what aptitude you have, right? Bruno talked about those companies that are focusing more on empowering domains than on the bigger picture of how domains can also work together. 
No major surprise, but it creates data silos because everyone has different definitions, so nothing is easy to integrate or interoperate. This is leading to the rise of the idea of the universal semantic layer as well. Um, and I'm kind of torn as to whether that's something that fits in, in data mesh or not. I think when we have things that are very rigid and centralized, it's very bad. But if you have something that's that's kind of free-flowing and can change and that you set it up to evolve, then those kind of universal approaches are really good because people can use them, but don't have to. And they don't have to fit into something that's already been created. That's the whole you know cookie cutter analogy that I use. So some quick tidbits to wrap up. Data leaders should be involved in the hiring process for key business people. That way you can start to build a relationship early and help select someone who values data and has a decent data fluency, right? Has that attitude and that aptitude. You don't want to be left out of the process as a data leader. It's absolutely okay to have a domain-only data products that are very specialized to that domain. Basically, data on the inside in a data product. It's also, per Bruno, okay to have very centralized data products that are pretty core across the organization. But look for places to build reusable data products to get the most leverage from your data work. And finally, to do data products and data product management right, you can't only focus on the data product launch. Maintenance and growth evolution are crucial aspects of product thinking in general. Extended summary for episode 189. Our data is in the cloud, dot, dot, dot. Now what? An interview with Vikas Kumar. In this episode, I interviewed Vikas, who's the AVP uh, and head of data, AI, and ML at CNA Insurance. To be clear, though, he was only representing his own views in the episode. According to Vikas, 2010 through kind of the early 2020s, the focus really for a lot of companies has been on moving the data to the cloud to better drive value. And now that more and more of our data in the, is in the cloud, we are starting to see much broader adoption of things like ML and AI. The cloud gives us the promised but under-delivered scalability of the big data technologies, along with the flexibility to move quickly and experiment. Cloud can also mean it's easier to bring non-data people into the mix to drive better collaboration between the data people and the business people, you know, the domain. So cloud gives us this massive scale and data av availability, but we still have to learn to better leverage our data, to drive value from it. We are still in pretty early days there as an industry. Again, our data is in the cloud. Now, now what, right? A big outcome of the mass movement of data to the cloud is how much time is spent on data management versus getting value from the data, according to Vikas. DBAs used to spend 60% plus of their time just managing the data, but data people's time is now focused on getting value and probably only 10 to 20% is spent managing really the data specifically. But cloud can be a double-edged sword. Right. If it's very easy to create new data products or beta data products, you know, kind of those proof of concepts, you have to be very careful to not create overlap or duplicate work and duplicate data products. 
it all comes down to governance and your operating processes to prevent that. As an industry, we're getting much better at serving data reliably at scale, according to Vikas, but we still struggle with the gap between the data is available and the data is able to be used by consumers in the business domains. We are still working on figuring out where to meet in the middle between handling, you know, handing people reports and maybe dashboards, a kind of old school approach versus upskilling them to very high data fluency so they can build everything themselves. You know, how, how are we getting people their fish? Are we teaching them to fish? Are we fishing for them? Are we kind of doing a hybrid approach? When asked that question, you know, do the data people have to learn all the business context or do the business people have to learn exactly how to do data? Vikas gave the very data mesh answer of it depends. But that makes sense because there shouldn't be a single prescribed method. You should have to look at how your organization works and fit with that model. And you probably want to meet somewhere around the middle. Otherwise, you will cause unnecessary friction. So look to your general ways of working, cross-train people, get people exchanging context about what they are trying to achieve, and instill a culture of feedback and collaboration. That's how you can actually execute well on a data mesh strategy in general. Vikas talked about your data strategy North Star being about getting value from your data reliably and at scale. Bruno Aziza was talking about the exact same thing. So you need to be realistic about where you are in that capability journey right now. As a data producer, you need to assess, can your data consumers do everything necessary if you give them raw data, or should you be curating that data for them so they can actually leverage just the insights? Work to find the high value return data work early instead of trying to do the most complicated aspects of data. It's okay to start small. No shame there. A data product should always map to a target business outcome, according to Vikas. I really, really agree with this, right? <laughs> Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? But that shouldn't be the only factor. The reason for creating a data product should be trying to achieve that outcome. So use that as the North Star for the, the data product. But we must build in a way where data products can be reused. You know, sometimes with some additional work, of course, for additional use cases. And it's really crucial to have a data product owner that is discovering and focusing on the objective of the data product. How can you provide the business meaningful data that meets their objectives? That should be a key objective of every data product. Again, why are you building this? What is the point? What happens if we do this well, right? What's the difference between doing this well and not so well? If that's not very big, why are you doing this work? Is it really a value? When asked how do we balance focusing on the long-term wins instead of the quick, but typically small wins, Vikas talked about the need to create a holistic view of your data and build a very strong foundation for how you will deal with data in general. That makes it so you can jump on the quick wins when you find them, but you also have that steady foundation for making much bigger bets going after long-term big wins. But with a shaky foundational layer for your data, those long-term wins are much less likely to pay off, right? You can't really make those big bets. You know, you can't 
build a skyscraper on a bad foundation, you know, oh, okay, we built a one-story little shack on this foundation. Now we're going to build this skyscraper. No, it's not going to work if it's shaky. And that foundational aspect comes in at the data product level too. Build data products that can be easily extensible when it makes sense because they are built to be extensible from the start. Kent Graziano in the recent data modeling panel kind of railed against having to rebuild every time you extend a data product. Don't do that. Set yourself up to not have to do that. For Vikas, there are many value streams for a data product. Most people focus on the data set itself, but it could be the other work that you're doing around this that makes you actually learn more. It could be the governance work or the collaboration conversations between producer and consumer. We need to focus less on the data product as the exact output instead of the data product being the vehicle for delivering value, but the overall product worth work itself significantly enhances the value of the data product, right? That learning discovery, it's not, again, about creating a data product. It's about delivering value reliably and at scale. So you might learn while you're building this data product that this thing is actually not that that important. And so you can decide whether you finish it or not, but you might come across like this huge uh, potential use case that that would be very, very valuable because you actually had these conversations instead of you gathered requirements and you did the thing and you gave it to them and you moved on, right? We need to get better about exchanging that context with each other and really driving towards what's going to be valuable to the business instead of I created a data product. Data governance seems to be the part of data mesh that confuses a fair number of organizations, so they ignore that at their significant peril, according to Vikas. While you might not have to build every aspect of your governance up front, it's crucial to think about how you will apply governance. And to truly get to the ideal of a self-service platform, governance needs to be a simple part of the ways of working. Saving that work for later is not going to end well for most organizations. And while access control is hard, we need to get far better at understanding who is using what and you know why. How long should someone get access to data? Forever access should be a non-starter, right? You should say, okay, we're going to expire this access in this amount of time because we things will have changed and so we want to reassess at that point. And how do we make it's easy to grant that expiring access and things like that. How do we really handle access control in such a way uh, that it makes this easy for the data product producers? That's part of the self-serve platform, and I don't think we're really there yet. 